The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Yeah, so just being able to recognize what we need, that in and of itself is a training. And then being able to speak up and ask for it is another training. Yeah? Sometimes we don't recognize that those are two separate skills, being able to discern and know what's happening and what we need, and then being able to speak up and ask for it. Someone came up to me on the break and asked a question related to that, saying, well, how do I deal with the tendency to not speak up? You know, when there's something to say, you know, I actually have something to say, but I, I hang back, I don't speak up. Uh, so this is a very important question. Uh, just to pull back a little bit, we each have our own conditioning and our own patterns, and there's a spectrum, right? Some of us fall on that side of the spectrum of not speaking up so much. Others fall on the other side of the spectrum where... <laughs> Maybe the speech is free-flowing. We know who we are, right? So just knowing where we are on that spectrum and moving towards the middle more. The point isn't to do one or the other. The point is to be conscious and have choice so that we can respond and act in a way that's uh, skillful and appropriate to the situation. Yeah. So first, recognizing what our conditioning is, uh, working with whatever judgments we might have about that, you know? So oftentimes, if there's a certain pattern there, we have an opinion about that. I'm so da-da-da-da-da, right? I shouldn't be, I should be, why can't I be, if only I were, all of that stuff. Yeah, so it's important to actually uh, become conscious of that, to shine awareness on that and just know, yeah, this is, this is the patterning that's present, and this is how I'm relating to it. This is the story I'm telling myself about it. This is the extra stuff that I'm adding to it. Because if we don't become aware of that, it's going to get in the way of actually working with the pattern skillfully because it's going to be coloring things or pushing things or shading things. Oftentimes, if we're on the side of not speaking up, uh, it can be coming from, well, it, it, it's going to be coming from something, some needs that we have. And to begin to investigate, what is that? What am I needing? What do I want that not speaking up is giving me? Is it that I really don't want to hurt the other person? And I'm afraid that what I have to say is going to be difficult or painful to hear. Is it because I'm really afraid of what might happen? I'm afraid that I might be judged or blamed or that I might lose the connection or the love that I need. Is that why I'm holding back? So that's really important to investigate and get clear on what is, this, what is this giving me, not speaking up, holding my tongue? What is it actually doing for me? 
Yeah? To know that. <clears throat> and then to see, what is it not doing for me? What's the cost I'm paying? What's the price I'm paying for not speaking up? Yeah? And then to look at, and this, I think, was the question is, okay, okay how, do I then, how do I then speak up? And I think that, so one is, is, is we do have to practice. We do actually have to train ourselves. And having spaces like this are an excellent way to do that. Taking a class, I'll give some information at the end of the day about ways you can follow up on this training. Um, but also being honest. And this is one of the challenges and, and yet great powers of practicing with our speech is being able to be honest right in the moment. Not just honest like, hey, you know, when you said that, it really didn't work for me because I thought you, you know, didn't respect me in this way and I really would like it if it were, you could express yourself differently. That's one kind of honesty. But then there's the honesty of just what's alive inside right here and right now. And it might look something like, you know, there's something that I want to tell you and I'm really scared to say it because I'm not sure what you'll think or I'm afraid that you might feel hurt or I'm afraid that you might get angry. Whatever's actually alive and true, to be able to say that in the moment, that's very powerful and it creates a certain kind of a connection with the other person. Being able to say something like, there's something that's been on my mind for a while, I'd like to share it with you, and I don't quite know how, and I'd like your help. Would you be willing to just listen for a little while while I try to find the words and wait until you respond, until I really feel like I've been able to get it out? <clears throat> Do you see how that's addressing what's happening on a different level? It's talking about the communication itself, about the relationship itself in this moment. And that's a kind of truthfulness that takes courage because there's a level of vulner vulnerability there. So there were a couple of other questions that some people came up to me with in, in the break. So I want to just make space for those. Yeah, please. And your, your name was? Oh, my Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. And why don't we just take the mic so folks listening can, can hear. Um, hello. Um, in our uh, dyad, our partner uh, conversation, we were kind of um, circling around one, uh, one of the things we were circling around was um, this idea of this seeming contradiction of wanting to do no harm and reduce suffering with speech. Mm -hmm. And yet you brought up the, the parable of, of the yes, and yes. And so, <clears throat> how do we cultivate, I guess, the wisdom to know what may hurt now is somehow in the future going to reduce suffering later or be wise speech? It, it just seems yeah. infinitely vast to be able to know that. Yeah. And so yeah. The, the do no harm 
mantra sort mm-hmm. of keeps me I, personally it 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 almost forces me to not speak mm. it, when I think there might be harm mm. so how do we how do we hurt jump over that hurdle mm. Mm. thank you it's a great question he's referring to the story I told earlier about the baby with a pebble in its throat and the Buddha saying he would take it out even though it caused pain to the baby because it was for a greater good. So, you know, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know the answer, <laughs> right? It's kind of a perennial question. But, but I can share a little bit of how I relate to that dilemma, yeah? And, and the first is that I think that these two qualities that you're pointing to are, are kind of at the, at the heart of relationship and communication, which is balancing truthfulness with care. How, how, do, how, how do we honor our own truth and our deep value for care and tenderness? And it's a, it's, it's a koan of sorts, right? And, and the, more, the more that I think we hold that question in our heart with a real deep sense of inquiry and sensitivity, the more wisdom grows. Because right? that's what the question's about, right? It's about that wisdom, that discernment. And none of us know. We don't know. That's our limitation, right? We don't know. But sometimes we do, Right? Sometimes we do know. And it's not an intellectual knowing. That's, that's the trick. Because the mind can tell all the stories. It can argue both sides as much as it wants. So it's a different kind of a knowing. It's a knowing that drops beneath the, um, the discursive mind that says, like, what's my intuition here? Is this the right time? Or where is this really coming from? Is this actually about care? Or do I just want to be right? You know, where is this coming from inside? And, and really listening and, and, and really looking honestly. So that's the inner investigation. That's the inner uh, exploration of this question. The other side is that, you know, we are mirrors for each other. And we can't walk this path alone because of ignorance. Because there are things that we can't see about ourselves. So the, 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 one of the other path factors in the Eightfold Path is right view, right understanding. Actually seeing clearly, understanding clearly, and there are, two, there are two causes for the arising of right view. 
One is our own careful attention, which is what I was just speaking about, that sense of really looking inside, really paying attention, investigating. The other is spiritual friendship, someone else. Someone else to give us a reflection, to say, hey, Jonathan, you know, are you open to hearing something that I've noticed that I think might be useful for you to look at? We need that because we, don't, we, we can't see our own blind spots by definition. So we need someone else to point them out. Now, how to do that is a skill. How to point out, how to give feedback to someone is a skill. And so I, I'll offer a few things on that because that's the other side is when we do have something that we think, you know, I think this is going to be helpful for the other person in some way to hear. Uh, I don't know, but it's really coming from a desire to contribute, and I have some feedback. So uh, the Buddha actually gave some guidelines on this. Let me see. I don't remember them all. I might have it here. And if not, I'll, I'll remember some of it. So he said, you know, before, yeah, here it is. Before you give feedback to someone, before you you give someone a reflection, uh, you should reflect and see this fault that I'm about to give someone else, you know, point out in someone else, am I free from that? Do I do that in myself? And then he goes through the, um, just the guidelines for wise speech that I've already talked about. You know, is this the right time? Uh, is this true? Do I have all the information here? Uh, am I able to speak this with gentleness rather than being harsh? Sometimes we have feedback for someone and it's, it's because we don't like this thing about them and so it can come out with that harshness. So can I actually say it in a way that's... that's gentle. Is this going to be helpful and is it coming from goodwill? But the additional piece of reflecting on ourselves and saying, you know, am I free from this, uh, this fault or this shortcoming? So, and then the, the other piece around this when we is, is asking permission and that deep sense of respect for someone else when we say, hey, you know, I've got something that I think could be useful to hear for you, but are you open to hearing that? Would you like to hear that? Yeah? And it's very, very valuable to have a friend who can give us honest feedback. Yeah? There's the story in, might be Tibetan Buddhism, some form of Mahayana Buddhism, is the, you know, story, you know, if you, if, you, if you could come downstairs and either you could have, you know, gems and jewels and riches for the rest of your life, or someone who can point out all your faults <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Which would you choose? <laughs> well, if you're interested in waking up, you'd choose the person who can give you an accurate reflection. So I have friends in my life with whom we have an open agreement, you know, carte blanche. Please give me feedback. Anytime you see something I want to hear. Yeah, do it in a way that's respectful and kind, please, you know. Check in with me first and say, is now a good time, right? 
but an open invitation because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. So is, that, is that helpful? Great. Great. Maybe just uh, wait for the mic here. I'm interested in how you speak tr one speaks truth when confronted with cultural taboos because mm. there are so many areas of conversation mm. um, that are explicitly out of bounds. So, mm. you know, white people talking about race is just the easy example. Um, or you can think of many. But what happens... So I'm clearly an outsider. Uh, and I often have made mistakes with entering into taboo land by accident. And it took me maybe three years to realize maybe like half of the taboos in California, right? And I'd so like to know. Maybe <laughs> you can write them down for me later. I've got a long list. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but every country has them. It's not right. like there's anything yeah, particularly yeah. unusual. Except I think... You know, it's, it's easier for me as an English speaker because at least I have the language uh, to a degree. But at the same time, how does one... I, I'm curious as to your, your thoughts on how one acts in a, a very respectful way but brings truth, but also there's this constant kind of dancing back and forth that it's not just individuals who are sometimes not ready to engage with certain things, but entire societies. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and again, I mean, I'm South African. It's not like we're any better than anybody else. But um, I was really curious about that place of taboo and truth. <coughs> Thank you. These are great questions, yeah. <coughs> so, you know, there's a lot in, in, what, you, in what, you, what you're sharing. Um, and I think there are different contexts. So again, you know, I don't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any short answers. Uh, we're all in this together, figuring it out, really, you know. Um, but so I think there, there, there are three things that are coming to mind that I'll share. So the first is it's very, one of the skills is very important to develop um, in in our lives and our communication is the ability to. Um, to clean up a mess and to rebuild trust when we lose it, right? Because we all, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We say things that we don't mean to. And that's just part of being human. That's part of being on the path. We're on the path, <laughs> you know? So that means we make mistakes. Uh, and being able to acknowledge that and be like, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean to offend you there. You know, please forgive me. Be, and, and, you know, having the humility to do that and, and the wisdom to recognize when, when there's a misstep somewhere, which it sounds like you've had practice with. I think we all have, you know. And, and we grow through that. We grow, we grow inside through that. And when we're able to do it skillfully, our relationships actually grow through that. Yeah, because we all lose it. We all let people down. And, and that's natural. But to be able to then pick up again, Every time we're able to pick up again, uh, the relationship actually strengthens. Um, so that's one. Uh, the question of... So uh, the, the next aspect of like societal things that, you know, societally uh, need to be spoken um, 
I, th I think that that's an area where cultural taboos are, you know, as someone committed to truth, goodness, and compassion, you know, one has an obligation to break the taboo, to actually say, like, you know, this country has never made amends with the indigenous people on this land. Like, the United States government has never acknowledged the attempted genocide. Like, you know, we don't speak about that, but the more we do, the more consciousness is raised, you know, or the conversation that has begun in our country around race and police brutality and privilege and how important that is. And yes, it's taboo and it's uncomfortable, but the more we actually speak about it, the more that starts to shift culturally. So in that area, I think it's important for us to actually challenge those taboos and have the, and it takes courage to do that. And it takes the ability to tolerate the discomfort of playing the edge. Yeah. The third area is how do we deal with um, cultural differences in communication where maybe, you know, speaking about something from one cultural side uh, is connecting and from the other cultural side it's disrespectful or disconnecting, you know? How, how do we do that dance? Um, that's an area that uh, I have a lot to learn in that I haven't trained myself in as much as I would like, you know? Um, so for me, I, I tend to fall back on uh, what I do know around intention and being, a, and, and, being able to, and being able to speak to the awkwardness, to actually name the difference, to say there's something I wanna talk about that for me feels very natural and comfortable, but that I think for you is, you know, not something you talk about usually, and I don't know how to do that. Be, being able to engage on that meta level without going into the content, um, and also being creative. So being able to be creative in doing the dance culturally, and being able to be respectful and not assume that the other person needs to conform to our way of doing things, right? Having that cultural humility to recognize, you know, as, you know, a white Westerner, I might feel really comfortable talking about emotions and uh, something that happened that didn't work where that's actually going to be offensive to someone who doesn't share that cultural framework. And being able to be creative about that and actually do some research or talk to someone else from that culture and say, hey, how do I deal with this? What would be the appropriate means to communicate this message? And maybe it's something we might never even think of. So being able to be creative in that way and work. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so is this on the same theme? Okay, yeah. As, as I sit here and try to cultivate my own speech in a helpful, kind way with truth and, and timely. Could you hold the microphone just a little I, closer? I said as I, try to, I sit here and, and try to cultivate my own speech in a helpful, kindful way, time, timely and as truthful as I'm comfortable being. As you were talking, I, I don't know how, how to come from a place of, of a metta or loving kindness with a speech, this gets a little more global, that's happening publicly. You know, I find myself mm -hmm. outraged, mm -hmm. shocked, mm -hmm. offended, mm -hmm. confused. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that that's speech out there, mm -hmm. not speech that I can't do mm -hmm. anything about in here. Mm -hmm. 
but is there any way that I can be less um, mm-hmm. uh, less um, nauseated over it, less <laughs> less reactive to it, you know, less um, yeah. enraged? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's helpful to be less nauseated, <laughs> enraged, you know. I, I, in, in other words, I think that there's actually something very healthy about the, the sensitivity that you have to harsh speech, false speech, divisive speech, right? That's what I'm hearing is, is you're, you're seeing in the public discourse there are outright lies. There is speech that's, you know, intentionally crafted with millions of dollars to be divisive or to be harmful. And it's like, so there's, there's actually something wholesome about the fact that that turns something in your stomach because it's, it's pointing to your commitment to these qualities. So I think that... Um, honoring the place that that reaction is coming from in you the fact that it's the fact if that reaction weren't arising it's that means that either you're numb or you don't value kindness truth sensitivity care right so, or, or that we're, you know, numbness is, isn't our fault. It just means we're, we're overloaded, that, that our systems become overwhelmed. So the fact that you're feeling this reaction to me is a sign of health. It's a sign of, it's a sign of ethical vitality, okay? Now the, 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 the place to actually practice and look are, are, in my mind, are two. One is when that ethical sensitivity moves into judgment and reaction and reactivity. When the sense of, of feeling appalled inside at the, at the level of harm that can be done becomes, moves into a harmful intention in yourself. When it becomes, I hate him. There's a difference there. There's a movement from the impact to the reaction. So that's one place to pay attention to and it's difficult. It's difficult to stay in the place of sensitivity because it's uncomfortable, because it's painful. And so what happens is then, is then the heart reacts to protect itself. And it reacts with judgment, aversion, anger, and so forth. Right. So there's a place there to actually start to cultivate more equanimity, more compassion, more kindness for ourselves, for others, yeah? And that's a practice uh, that's never-ending. And that requires a certain amount um, of taking care of ourselves, of recognizing, I think I need to take a break from watching the news for a couple days. That's okay for, you know, Otherwise, we just go into, we either go into hatred, despair, or numbness. So we, ha- we, we need to modulate how much we take in sometimes. So that's one training. That's the inner training. 
Then there's the outer training of, which was in your question of how do I speak about this in a way that's skillful, in a way that's not perpetuating the kind of narrative that's out there. How to say, you know, um, when I hear this person making comments about an entire race or an entire population of people in our country, I feel really scared because I'm afraid of the consequences on a political level of that, of the consequences on an individual level about that, the kinds of things that can happen, what we saw in Orlando, or the kinds of policies that can be created based on that kind of speech. Right? That's a skillful way of speaking about it, where we're owning our fear, we're speaking from a place of vulnerability, and we're highlighting the values that we have of acceptance, of peace, of you know, um, everyone having a right to safety, a right to health care, to housing, so forth. So, so learning how to speak about those issues in a way that's not perpetuating the same logic, yeah, which is part of why we're here today, to learn those skills. So I want to take one more question and then move to uh, another activity. And we'll have time for more questions this afternoon. I think that actually this gentleman had a question he asked me this morning. This morning. So if I could just take his question. Are you okay holding your question till later? Or is it, is it very relevant to this? Okay. So um, why don't we take his question first and then we'll take yours and then we'll move on to an activity. Um, so my partner and I talked a lot about humility, um, and I guess it comes down to how do I value uh, the other person as much as I value myself? I know that's a very general question, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe in the in the realm of uh, interpersonal communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just taking in the question. And again, you know, this is a very kind of core question uh, of life and of spiritual practice, right? Because obviously we're we're built to value ourselves more because, you know, if someone kicks you in the stomach, <laughs> my stomach doesn't hurt. <laughs> your stomach hurts. So you're going to, you know, you're going to protect your own body in a different way, right? Uh, but if I'm, if I'm alert and awake and uh, not obsessed with something or overwhelmed by something and someone kicks you in the stomach, I feel it too. In a different way, but I feel it. So, you know, I think it's it's a journey and I think it's it's a place that uh, I find for myself that I I am continually humbled because I don't. Right, and so every time I get that reflection back from someone else who says, "Like, hey, you know, that sucked. <laughs> that, you know, or you know, you just did something really selfish. Can't you see how this? You know, it's like, oh gosh, you're, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't see that. Right, and so um, being willing to receive that feedback and actually really take it in, 
So um, it's it's a training. I remember I had a, an insight into this when I was uh, in my late teens, and um, I, I won't go into the details of the story, but. I, I was interacting with someone, and uh, I just something about the situation afterwards. I just, I just, I felt in my own body just the sensitivity of my own heart and mind and body, and I just recognized like this other, this person also feels that same sensitivity and my actions have an effect on them and what I do and what I say can hurt them in the same way that I feel pain and so really reflecting on that and really really taking that in you know just there's there's a phrase you can use for this reflection just like me just like me you know, and I think this is relevant for each of the questions that have come up. That this person feels pain just like me. This person wants to be happy just like me. This person has things that they care about, dreams, aspirations, hopes, desires, just like me. And really, really reflecting. It's, it's, a, it's a reflection and a practice for a lifetime to just keep working with that and, and allowing that slowly to wash away the tendency towards self-centeredness. Yeah. The Brahma Viharas are um, a, a practice designed to do that. You know, the, the, the whole path is really about this. It's about um, the cultivation of the heart through the, uh, the four Brahma Viharas, um, Metta Mudita. Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upeka, kindness, compassion, uh, joy, and equanimity, and also wisdom, the cultivation of wisdom to see through the, the, uh, the confusion of our identity, the confusion that's, that, that believes that we are uh, separate and that misunderstands what's actually in our, in our deepest welfare. The other, the, other, the other component of that is reflecting on and recognizing that one of our own needs is to contribute to others. Right? Is, the Dalai Lama refers to this as enlightened self-interest. That actually, if we really understand what's to our benefit, it's, it's, it's to give and to, and to be responsive to the needs of others because that feeds us in a deep way and to reflect on that and notice that. So, uh, is, is your, does your comment or question still feel? Okay, great, excellent. So thank you, thank you for those uh, very potent questions. Why don't we break the sound file and start a new one? <laughs>